welcome to episode 29 of the Empowering Ability Podcast. Welcome to the Empowering Ability Podcast, where we get you and your loved ones impacted by disability the information needed to live a full and meaningful life. Now here's your host, Eric Gall. Hey friends, welcome to the podcast. Excited to share this powerful story with you today. Uh, It's the story of Bill Hiltz. And uh, during this podcast, Bill really teaches us some really key lessons um, of what people with disabilities are truly capable of. And we have a great conversation around the mindsets that we need to carry and people with disabilities need to carry to really empower uh, themselves and for us to empower people with disabilities. So uh, it's a really deep story. I think you're going to get a ton out of it. In the podcast, you're going to hear a couple of voices. You're going to hear um, Joyce Balaz and Arn Rowe, which are part of Team Bill, and Bill um, himself is, is nonverbal. So uh, Joyce and Arn really carry and share Bill's story. Bill did answer some pre-recorded questions uh, or some some questions that I provided in advance that he gave answers to, to Joyce and Arn on. So you do truly get Bill's perspective in this podcast. I'm excited to share the interview with you. Um, it's one of my favorites. You're really going to enjoy it. And as well, I share my perspective from meeting uh, Bill and um, some of the assumptions that I had carried and how Bill really shattered those. And uh, I get a little bit, a little bit vulnerable with that. So I think you get some value to that as well. So here's Team Bill. Hey, Team Bill, welcome to the Empowering Ability Podcast. Thanks for having us, Eric. Hi, Eric. Yeah, my pleasure. So we have on the podcast today, Bill Hiltz, Joyce Balaz, and Arn Rowe, uh, and they make up Team Bill. And we met at Toronto Sim- Summer Institute, or TSI, in the summer of 2017. And um, I got the honor uh, of getting to know these three um, and having some pretty deep conversations. And uh, I was really... Uh, you know, fortunate to get to learn Bill's story. And it's a story that I feel is um, really important to share. So Joyce, Bill and Arn are here to, to share to share Bill's story today and to have a great conversation um, that I think will be val- valuable to all of us. So I'm going to hand it over to, um, to Joyce and Arn to uh, tell us a little bit about themselves, uh, Team Bill and Bill's story. Thanks, Eric. So Um, I guess the very first thing that we need to identify is that you're going to hear my voice and you're going to hear Arne's voice, but you won't hear Bill's voice in Bill's voice because Bill is nonverbal. So um, I think that poses a lot of challenges lots of times for people who try to get to know Bill. And and, um, I guess Bill was really thankful that you took the time, Eric, to sit with us because it does take time to, to get Bill's story and stuff like that. So, um, it'll be probably pretty difficult in this little, in this limited time to give you Bill's whole story. Um, but we can identify first of all that, um, as we said, Bill is nonverbal and he faces many, many challenges. Um, in his life, but the best thing that I think everybody who gets to know Bill learns is that um, that's never going to keep him down, and he's going to do what he can to make life better for people in this world. So, in in sort of looking at Bill and the challenges that he faces, I think the biggest one isn't the fact that he's nonverbal because he does manage to get that um, his messages across. But he has to deal with um, an uncontrolled seizure disorder that really rules his life. And so we never know from one minute to the next whether Bill's going to be able to do what he's set his mind to do thing, doing that day. And that, that causes some challenges. But again, um, when you talk to people who know Bill um, after a while, they will always use the word inspiration. And that's what I think of when I think of Bill is that... Um, being able to tell his story is going to help others um, learn more about um, dealing with people with dis- with with different disabilities and how important that term of inclusion really is. So in terms of who the team for Bill is, um, I'm a family home provider for Bill, and he's been living with me now for 21 years. And Arn is his intervener who provides um, the 
along with personal supports, he also um, helps interpret the world for Bill and be there so that Bill can carry on to do what he needs to do. So together, all three of us sort of are Bill and helping Bill find the life that he wants. And Arn, you've been working with Bill for... Ten years now. Ten years. Um, so Bill uh, is the oldest of three children. His parents were very young when he was born. Um, there was a problem with birth that uh, really uh, caused the problems with the seizures. And the mom, uh, mom and dad um, tried really hard to support Bill the best they could, but um, with the lack of funding for families, they just didn't have the supports they needed, so they made the difficult decision to put Bill into foster care. So at about a year and a half, they just, they couldn't keep it up anymore because there were frequent trips to the hospital and everything else. So they just couldn't do it. Um, and from there, Bill went into um, a number of foster families that didn't work out very well. He's been, he was in the hospital for a while and then eventually ended up at uh, Christopher Robin, which was an institution in Ajax. He was there till he was eight. And then uh, I think as they were having to close down, that institution, the uh, family that had, that took Bill in at that point had already taken somebody else out of that institution, and so they um, came back and visited with Bill, and he just charmed the heart out of them, and they took he took him they took him home. Kim, mm-hmm. I think too it's important to to know uh, a little bit about Bill's time in in that institution which was mostly spent in a crib cage. So it uh, had, you know, the four sides and a top on it, and he wore a helmet. And that was because he was banging his head on the bars, which he was trying to tell whoever would listen that he didn't want to be in there. And I just um, I just find that very um, disheartening and, and cruel, really, that um, that was the best that they, they had for Bill at that time. Mm-hmm. It, uh, I mean, that paints a pretty, um, I'm struggling to find the words, but it, 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 it paints, it makes me feel sick to my stomach, right? Hearing, hearing that. Um, and that's, that was the reality that, that, uh, that Bill lived through. Yeah. So, I mean, when he was adopted by or taken in by the other family, like he was treated by that family, like one of their own. And it was, they just love him to death, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just the way it is. When you get to know Bill, that's pretty much what happens. And so he lived with them for 12 years. And then at around age 18, 19, um, they thought it was a good transition year because um, not only the age wise, but uh, their family's situation changed where they had three young boys and they were going off here and everywhere. And father uh, Richard was doing the, uh, main part of the care and he became ill. So it was just a good time for transition. And um, having heard that, and Eric, you talk about feeling sick to your stomach. When I heard that they were looking for a new home for Bill, that's how I felt too, was like, oh my goodness, we've just opened up communication for Bill. Now they're going to take him, take him to a new family and because he was being served out of county, that meant that he would be moving out of county, so out of the school, so he would lose his family and his education and any gains that he'd made at the same time. And I just couldn't see that happen. And so we talked about it, and um, we gave it a couple of trial runs, and we figured that we made a good pair. So that's how we got together. Mm-hmm. And you were how long had you been um, Bill's um, working with Bill at the school before that? Happened? So I learned I I met him when he was thirteen, and so all the way till twenty one. So we were okay. together for um, we were together for that seven years, and uh, two years before he finished schools when he came to live with me. Awesome. Well, that says a lot about you and and your character as well, Joyce, and and the uh, the huge huge heart you have and uh, the respect that you have for Bill. Well, I know that I um, 
for me, I I made the I made the decision that Bill was going to I, I knew that Bill was going to need somebody that could help him be him. And I knew that that's the role that I felt that I could do. And that's kind of what we are. So I like to think of Bill and I as a pair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to say, too, that um, Joyce basically devotes her whole life to, to Bill. And um, Bill is very fortunate to have her because um, I don't think you would find very many people that would um, try to give somebody else the best life possible. Um, the way that Joyce has for, for Bill. And I know that Bill would agree with that statement. Yeah, that's incredible. Thank you for, for sharing that, Arn. I, I think Joyce is too humble to, to say that. So, so thank you. Um, so, I mean, Bill has a, a very powerful story and, uh, you know, all of your stories are, are powerful combined as team Bill. Um, so after TSI, I did, I was doing a lot of reflection on uh, the time we spent together. And one of the key things that kept popping out for me was how we really need to hold people capable. And, you know, Aaron, as you described um, Bill being kept in a crib cage at an institution, um, you know, to me that I don't know all the details, but to me, it sounds like, people just figuring or assuming that Bill is incapable of anything. And, and then the story of the, the family that Bill first lived with and, you know, that fell in love with him and loved him to, to death. Um, to me, that just speaks of uh, uh, people that, that saw something in Bill and, and really held him capable. And, um, you know, Joyce, you've continued and Aaron, you've both continued on with that. And it's obvious in the work that, the bills doing today and his advocacy work, but just this idea of we really need to start with the assumption that that people are capable or else they never will be capable. That, that's really true. Um, Eric, one of the things that I guess people who are listening to this podcast need to ask themselves is what danger are they doing if they don't consider competence to start or capacity, right? Mm. Um, compared to what harm are they doing if they do right so the the harm of not assuming capacity just leads to so many misconceptions and a whole different way of interacting with people right if yeah. you if you oh sorry Eric go ahead Aaron. if you um, just even think about the fact that he was in the the crib cage, and he was banging his head on the bars, the assumption had to have been that Bill wasn't capable and was, I'm just going to say, kind of losing his mind or whatever because he's banging his head on these bars, and normal people don't do that. But what he was trying to say was, I don't want to be in here, and they rectified that by putting a helmet on him so he could still continue to do what he was doing, and nobody was hearing him and um, I know, um, I know that people not hearing him has been a, the communication thing, especially with, with Joyce, because Joyce helped Bill develop that whole communication, um, thing, um, that has really opened up that whole world for, for Bill. And, and another sad part too, is his education until he got to grade nine, um, he hadn't been taught really anything, I don't think, had he? Um, and I just find that extremely remarkable that, um, that not even the simplest things he, he was taught. And yet, um, as Joyce will, will tell you, it was incredible that the things that he could do without even having been taught. Mm-hmm. The... Just the the imagery and the 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 metaphor, and I know in Bill's situation, Bill's life, this is not a metaphor, and it's um the it's the truth and reality. But for the rest of us, I think it serves as a strong metaphor that we can carry forward in our minds around this idea of holding people capable. 
if if we start with the assumption that somebody's not capable, we're putting them in that cage. Yep, for sure. Right, and nobody deserves that. So here's by- another question, Eric. It's um, uh, what gives us the right to assume <laughs> that somebody else um, doesn't have the capacity just because they look and act different. Mm-hmm. That's a great question for for everybody to reflect on. Um, I don't think that we that anybody has the right. That's my opinion. Um, so maybe there's a good opportunity to switch back, uh, switch gears, and switch back to um, kind of the continuation of, of Bill's story. So maybe Joyce, would you be able to to pick that up for us for us and continue with that? Bill and I got to know each other through school. I was his educational assistant. And at one point in time, I had identified to the teacher that I didn't want to work with Bill because I really didn't know how to work with Bill because I was new into the field and Bill was new to the school. And uh, for the the first time I ever told that story, Bill didn't talk to me for about two days because he was mad. (laughs) (laughs) But... uh, now, I guess now that he has uh, heard that story a number of times, I think he understands why uh, things happened. And I think it's given him an opportunity to think about how other people view him. Um, so as Bill's educational assistant, I spent a lot of time with Bill um, just allowing him to take the courses in school that he wanted to Um, He was very clear early on that uh, segregation was not for him. He was in a segregated classroom, and every once in a while we'd look around and Bill had escaped, and we'd find him up in the science hall with the rest of the kids. So it was very clear that Bill didn't want to be in in the segregated classroom, and so we found ways to get him into class. And um, early on, even in in that uh, role, Bill was seen as, as a leader for students at times when they didn't know how to to move forward. Bill always had a way to move forward. So um, I think of Bill as a teacher. I see, I think of Bill as a very wise man. And I, I one of the really important things I think that Bill would like to get across to people is that Bill isn't someone who needs to be fixed. Bill is Bill and Bill is here for a reason. And that reason I think is to um, allow people to identify with somebody who is different and stretch their personal boundaries a little bit. And Bill tries very often to get people to think about how they could do things a little differently um, one of the things that I know Bill is really, um, involved in because he wants to make change is he, he really wants to give back to the community that's given to him. So one of the things that he has done is, um, he's become uh, involved politically and he's trying to make change within, um, the political arena so that others will benefit from that change. Um, I guess Bill, both Bill and I believe that we can't we can't sit there and expect change to happen if we're not going to do something about it. So one of one of the the things for Bill is when you see Bill, you wouldn't um, expect him to do a lot of the things that he has done in his time, and sort of as we talked about earlier in terms of the seizure problem for Bill, um, he has now decided that his advocacy work is the most important. He's sort of forgiven all those nice things of all the recreational things a lot of people will choose to do, like horseback riding and swimming and that. And he uses his energy just to do the advocacy work. And his advocacy work is about bringing about change for people um, for full inclusion for everybody. Mm-hmm. And I think, well, you mentioned the word inspiration earlier, Joyce, and um, what inspires me about 
Bill is his passion and dedication to advocacy and to being a leader to um, to spread the message that he wants to spread in, in terms of inclusion and um, and awareness and, and starting to break down stigmas and, and fears for that are out there for people with disabilities. And um, I definitely view Bill as a teacher. And the the other reflection that that I had after our time together at uh, TSI was um, really a, a personal one in my own uh, interaction with with Bill. And so TSI is a, a, a Toronto Summer Institute's a five-day conference. And um, it took me till day, I think it was day three um, or maybe late day two to come over and interact with Bill. And this was actually probably the third time that I've met Bill. There was a couple of other um, events or conferences that we had been at together and I might've maybe said hi in passing, but um, it, it, was, it was that second or third day that uh, I came over and um, asked how I could communicate with Bill to, to have a conversation. And um, I really thought long and hard about what took me so long to, to, to come over and, and talk to Bill. I, I knew that just through other interactions that Bill was sharing in, in kind of sharing circles or, or there was an opportunity to contribute, Bill was contributing. Um, but, um, yeah, it took me a long time to, to approach Bill. And after reflecting on it, um, it was fear, uh, just my own personal fear. And, um, I think it's human nature, human tendency to, um, to judge people that are different than we are. And it's interesting because I've had a lot of contact and, and experience with people with disabilities and, and maybe the difference is that, um, I don't have a lot of experience with, uh, or contact with people that are nonverbal. So that might have been part of that fear for me. Um, but just reflecting on that and, and, you know, being real with myself. And, uh, I think it's, it's, that's a common, uh, stigma or barrier that, that we face and, and challenge the people with disabilities and, and that Bill faces on a daily basis. I always thought too, that, that, um, it was so hard for, for Bill and for other people when somebody would come up, um, you know, and honestly want to talk to, to Bill and say, hello, um, there's, there isn't a response back. And so the conversation ends very quickly because, because there is no response. Um, and again, it all depends how Bill's feeling and stuff too, whether, um, he's able to communicate in any different way, but most of the time people don't want to take the time or can't take the time to, um, give Bill the opportunity to communicate because it takes longer. Yeah, there isn't the initial, usually if you go up to somebody and say hi, they all respond with a hi. There isn't even some kind of an acknowledgement from Bill on his side that he has entered into that in, into that realm with you. It, it really means we really need to stop what we're doing and really focus on how are we going to get Bill to communicate with the person that's just come up to him. Right. So. And it's so difficult. That's so so different from the way normal conversations happen. Mm-hmm. So for um, people that want to communicate with Bill, you know, maybe if they're they get over that internal fear that they may have and have the courage to come over to and, and try to have a conversation. Um, what what should they do or is there any suggestions that you might have? So I guess, first of all, Eric, I did want to say thank you for acknowledging that there was fear there because that that's an important piece. And I think a lot of people do feel that fear um, mm -hmm. in terms of what works best for the communication is being able to give time, you know, um, making sure that if you're going, I guess, for it takes a while for Bill to become comfortable in terms of conversations as well, um, because too many times I think, and I don't, I'm not sure, Bill, hopefully you can answer this question. I'm not sure if past experience has um, caused Bill sort of to turn people off as well, um, because there isn't that follow-up, right? There'll be a high goodbye sort of thing and, and nothing deeper. So lots of times um, there's situations where the trust has, the trust and, and that 
openness has to sort of develop. Yeah, I think I think um, too that Bill has um, right. has this way of uh, kind of gleaning the sincerity from people, uh, like with um, like almost instantly, I guess I would say. And if he doesn't feel that somebody is sincere, then won't give them that much of time of the day, if you know what I mean. Right. Just like anybody else, yeah. <laughs> right? Like if somebody tries to have a conversation with me and I detect that, you know, they have some sort of ulterior motive or they're not being sincere, then I tend to disengage as well. Like it, it, I guess here, just a thought came into my mind here. And that is to say that um, it took me, it took Bill six months really of being together with me to allow me to even rub his back. That's how, um, insular he was right in, in his own little world and so you know when you think about taking six months to allow somebody to rub your back that's pretty that that takes a lot of time <laughs> so in terms of the communication you you sort of need to to be in bill's space and sit with him for a while and be in his space and then the communication flows a whole lot better right right so yeah i'm just hearing be patient um be sincere and give it some time. Um, from my experience, um, specifically with Bill, I was just talking with Joyce and Arn and, and asking, how do I best, how do I best communicate with Bill? And, um, you guys are more than, um, willing to, to help me understand that and, and to help Bill and I, um, interact. I guess one of the things that Bill will say is that uh, one of the first things is that we have to learn to slow down because we move in this fast paced uh, verbal world and that's not Bill's world at all. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so it's to slow down and take that time mm -hmm. and, and take yeah. that time to be in, in his space really and to allow that space to open up because I, I think Part of what happens when per a person is nonverbal, there's a lot of, um, well, it will be unspoken communication that happens between people. And that's about getting the vibe of how things are. And you can't do that just by passing by. Right. And I, I view that as a gift that the bill is giving other people. Yeah. Right. And even between um, Bill and Joyce. They have, um, I don't know if you would call it like a ESP type thing, but um, Joyce will pick up on, um, let's say if Bill's going to have a big seizure or something, um, whether, you know, Bill sends her a message or whatever, there just seems to be that um, much deeper connection there too somehow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, I also wanted to say too, and I think it's important for people to know, um, I know the discussion is about nonverbal, but but Bill is legally deaf and legally blind. And most of the time he blows my mind with the way that he can hear and the way that he can see. And I think there's many things that are really unexplained in in what we know as human beings. Um, but somehow I think he is somehow other advanced than we are just in things like when when we're walking bill doesn't walk quite as good as he used to but um, um he would come up to a curb and and he would be lifting his leg um like he knows that there's a curb there and i'm wondering well how does he know that it's there is it because i changed my um my mm -hmm. step or my body language so then he figures that out or does he really see something and um yeah, it's just um, a little food for thought, I guess, that I know different times I have whispered to him in a meeting or something, do you want to drink a water or something? And he hears me. And so when a person is legally deaf, I don't really believe that they should be able to hear that. <laughs> so anyways, he just has some special um, things about him. Yeah, that's fascinating. That's, that's just the part that. about being in his space and being part of him. Right. And taking the time to understand yep. him. Right. And and yep. hold him capable. Yep. Right. So important. Um, so uh, so Bill's a, a disability advocate. And I'm curious, um, what is the world that Bill envisions for people with disabilities? 
So because it does take some time to get this out, we did sort of do some prep on these questions for you. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> so Thank so you. Bill wrote down um, where we are seen as who we are, not what is different. People have been excluded for so long, which means people see the difference first. When people are truly included, others get to experience who we really are. Hmm. So not seeing people for the disability, but for seeing people who they are. And that's such an important message, uh, Bill. So thank you for, for sharing that. And th another question that uh, I asked you previously is um, how, can, how can we help to support that vision? So Bill's comment there was the best way is giving people the opportunity to spend time will with all people so that there is an opportunity to really get comfortable with one another. Like we were talking about earlier, just trying to, you know, um, for people to give people that are different an opportunity to, to spend time with them, to get to know them. Um, and a lot of it, I mean, for me, it was getting over that fear and, I'm sure for others, it's that same thing. And, and Arne, did you have something to add to that? Yeah, well, I was just going to say that um, Joyce and I certainly have had lots of different discussions. And um, I think that one of the biggest things that we think that needs to happen in society is that the integration starts right from um, kindergarten or, or daycare or or whatever, because the, the longer that uh, kids are with each other, um, then they become more accepted. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, right? I mean, if we have segregation in schools, what are we teaching kids? Right. Exactly. Right? We're, we're teaching them that, um, you know, those people, those kids that have disabilities, was whether they're visible or not, that are in a segregated classroom, we're just we're highlighting that they're different um, and we're teaching kids that they should be kept separate. Um, right. And I think the other, the other negative to um, segregation is, and I think Bill, <laughs> Bill showed uh, Joyce that, you know, he wants to be a part of, you know, the regular science class and to learn what's going on over there. And um, there's, a saying that goes, uh, you know, you, we are the product of the five people that we're closest to and spend the most time with, right? So uh, by being in a normal classroom, um, Bill would be around five, you know, students that are, that, you know, would have per se a uh, more capability or they would be, you know, just learning at a, at a regular level. So that gives Bill the opportunity to, to increase his capability, but just by simply being around those other students, rather than being segregated in, uh, in a classroom with other people with disabilities that are all being treated the same as not being capable. Right. Right. Um, right. Eric, I think it's important if Joyce could just quickly um, talk about, um, I believe they lived in Dundalk at the time. Oh, Okay. Yeah, sure. so in, in Bill's last year of high school, we were trying to think of what he would do when he was finished high school. And so we um, had Bill go into the kindergarten in the community and spend time during their activity time so that the kids would um, see Bill and have the opportunity to use his communication folder to uh, communicate and to see that there are different ways. And we were walking down the street one day and... Uh, a little boy came and he was dragging his mom closer to Bill and the mom is dragging the boy away. And so, you know, as mom is dragging the boy away, he's going, no, no, mom, it's okay. This is Bill. He comes to my class. And so exactly what we wanted to have happen happened. Mm -hmm. And it really brings to, to mind one of the things that um, good friend Judith Snow said, she said, society will change when I'm in it. And it's very true. Mm. Yeah, I mean, a perfect example, right? And probably when the mom went to school, um, either people with disabilities weren't there or they're in a segregated classroom. So that's her belief. That's what she was taught, right? Right. So, I mean, it's a perfect example of um, what uh, having contact with 
what Bill um, does, right, for kids or, or you know. The child, the child didn't see Bill as anything different than being Bill, and the mom saw Bill for being different right. and was trying to keep her son from that exposure, I guess. So. Right. right. Little did she know that we had figured this out for head. <laughs> <laughs> right. And um, Bill also has a, a, an initiative or a program to help people experience what it's like to have a disability. Would you be able to share a little bit about that? We sure can. So um, I have to go back a little bit in history. And we were, we're members of Family Alliance Ontario, and we were at a Family Alliance meeting. And the the people in the room, mostly parents were and family members, were saying, why isn't the government listening to us? We know what we need in terms of support. We know how best to do it. Why won't the government listen to us? And Bill's comment at that time was, have they ever been made to live in our live our life? And that thought festered and festered and festered for a long time. So it took about seven years. And we came up with this brilliant idea. We think it's brilliant anyway. And that is that we will invite people to acquire disability and walk a mile. And part of that came out of the poem that Bill wrote too, where he said, um, people just need to, you know, walk beside me and, and walk in my shoe so that they'll understand what it is that I go through. And so with that, we, um, we started it, and that's 10 years ago, so this is our 10th anniversary. And uh, we uh, invite people to acquire disability. Sometimes, um, depends, if we're feeling uh, charitable, we'll let them choose. Otherwise, we'll just give it to them, just like anybody else who has a disability. It's sort of just given there. You, don't, you didn't choose it. Um, and then we ask them to walk that mile, and we have them walk behind Bill. And um, it's been really eye-opening for a lot of people. And I think that comes to Bill's thoughts about how the experience will lead to understanding, which will lead to change. Right. And it's for that, giving that people the experience of uh, having a disability, it could be, you know, being blind or deaf or mobility impaired. Um, Right. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We try and we try and look at, you know, how best we can simulate a lot of things. We can't simulate all the disabilities, but even if it's just one or two. Right. And then we we make sure people are safe because we pair people up and then they switch halfway through so that they get to experience being the person and also supporting the person. So everybody stays safe. And then we end it all up with a nice barbecue and we have some good chats and we go around till the next year. Right on. So how can people support Bill's Walk a Mile or Walk a Mile and Bill Shoe, uh, Shoes initiative? So um, I will be up front right now. His website, uh, we do have a website for Bill and we try and post when the next walk is. Um, and really the thing that we ask people to do with this is uh, we try and keep the um, – the participation fee, like at $10, so everybody can participate because we do need to pay for some expenses that come out of it. Um, and then we ask people to um, look for sponsors to help, just like you would do in a in a Terry Fox run, whatever. Mm-hmm. And what we do with any leftover proceeds goes to an organization called Reach for the Rainbow, and Bill, that's another piece of Bill's giving back to community because Reach for the Rainbow enabled him to go to camp um, with his peers, just to an ordinary camp with the support he needed. And so he gives back by helping them raise some funds that's and awesome. helping that program carry on. Excellent. That's awesome. And um, yeah, so when the website's up, we'll, we'll definitely link to it so people can um, check that out in, in the show notes or on the blog. And um, I think it's also uh, an important idea that other people can take and, and use in, in their own ways as well to help people that don't have a disability to experience what it's like to have a disability and to get that level of understanding. One thing that I wanted to mention um, just as a tag onto what you're um, just talking about is uh, we've also done it with parliamentarians. And um, uh, I was just actually 
almost appalled that some of them wouldn't even participate. And, um, you know, again, there's a fear there. What are they going to do to me or, or whatever? But, you know, on the flip side of that, there, um, most of the uh, parliamentarians were uh, eager to go along with what we were um, presenting to them. And um, so, you know, we've tried to get it to the highest places, I guess, where a change can happen. And um, I, I really do think that uh, those people did appreciate that experience uh, as well. And that's part of the advocacy piece that Bill likes to do yeah. a lot. That's incredible. It's important to help parliamentarians or, or people in power that can help to make that change, help them understand the experience, right, of of what folks like Bill are, are going through on a daily basis. Right. And so in terms of um, what Bill foresees in terms of change is he he wants changes to be there so life is better for everybody, not just people with disabilities. So if you think about um, automatic doors, how that helps somebody in a wheelchair um, with a walker, a mom with kids in the stroller, or she's been shopping and arms are full and she's still got the toddler that she's dragging along and um, delivery men with their their carts and things. So it helps everybody. The elderly. Right. Yeah. yeah. So and we're all living longer, right? Yeah. So, yeah, no, yes. I love that. I love that vision. Life is better for everybody. Yeah. I'm, and I think that's I, what I he really, that. yeah, that's what he really tries to evoke when he's talking about change. Yeah. And I think what everybody really needs to, to think about at some point in time is that you never know when you're going to end up with a disability yourself. Um, just speaking for myself through diabetes, I ended up with a uh, amputation and, you know, up till that time, very healthy and active and, and all that type of thing. So it can happen relatively quickly. Um, Joyce has her ailments as well that uh, she's not moving as well as she um, once did either. And so, you know, whether it's an accident that happens or something like that, things can change overnight and you can be thrown into the world of disability. And um, I, I think if people start to pay more attention to, to that whole world, maybe before those things happen, like, like you said earlier, we're living longer. So even as people get older, there is a certain amount of disability, even in just getting around just because you're you know older and more feeble and that type of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, such an important point, right? I mean, if we have our health, we take it for granted until, you know, we don't have it or, or something goes wrong or, you know, even if it's um, not, you know, regarded as a disability, but um yeah, such an important point, Arn. Um, so I just have one last question, um, and we can you can all answer this one. Um, and I gave this one to Bill in advance, uh, so maybe let's start with Bill. So, Bill, uh, if you had a, a billboard that you could show to put on display for the entire world, what would you put on that billboard? So for Bill, he would put a picture of his Walk a Mile in My Shoe event uh, with a caption that reads, experience leads to understanding, which can be the catalyst for change. Hmm. So that would be his billboard. Beautifully put, Bill. Excellent. And how about yourself, Joyce? Um, man, there were a lot of things that were going through my mind with that one. So I came up with my world is one of love, optimism, and acceptance, where we care deeply for one another. Healthy communities include us all. Awesome. Okay. We're going we're to need a big billboard for that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Arn, what would you put on your, your billboard? Uh, I wish I had some, you know, ultimate wisdom type thing that was coming to my mind. Um, I'm sure I could come up with, with one, but I, I hadn't even really thought about it because I thought this was just about Bill. But <laughs> Now I'm putting you on the spot. Um, if I think of something, I can send it to you, I guess. <laughs> yeah, sure. Sounds good. Um, yeah, well, I mean, it's been a pleasure having the three of you on the podcast today, and uh, I'm super grateful that 
um, Bill, that you put the time into thinking about some of the questions that we that I asked and uh, to share that with the world and to share your story. Um, and it's important and an important one. And as Joyce said, uh, it's inspirational. It's not inspirational in the way that, um, you know, uh, looking at, hey, look what I look what I can do, um, even though I've got a, a disability. It's inspirational in the way that that you carry yourself and the way that you're making change in the world and the way that you're a leader and in the way that you're a teacher. And that's what I really appreciate about you, Bill. And, uh, and Joyce and Arn, I, I really appreciate that, uh, you know, you do hold Bill capable and, um, you are that integrated part of, of his life and also for making the change that you're making, um, in this world. So super grateful for that. And if we could, I'd also love maybe a, a good, if you could say a, a few words in, in closing here, but, um, Joyce, I'm not sure if you have Bill's poem with you there, but that might be a nice way to to end the podcast. If you could, maybe it would be. It would be. Um, just before we do that, I just wanted to capture something that you had said about um, the five. You know how we're the product of the five people around us. Yeah. Um, it's always been my thought that in in terms of segregation, in in terms of school, if we continue to segregate people, then they can only aspire to the greatest that's in that room. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they're out in the normal, I, I hate to use the word normal, but if they're in the in the entire school population, then they can aspire to something much greater than because they they there's dreams that are created. And if you would have told me when I first got to know Bill that he would be a torchbearer for the Olympics, I would have told you we were not you were nuts. Um, so part of that he earned that right because of the work that he does. And and it was the most amazing experience to be part of that here in Canada, um, to be part of, like, I, I, I think for me, it's really important to say that Bill has taken me on roads I would never have traveled before. And so his role as a teacher is huge for me. Mm-hmm. And, you've, and, and, and Eric, taken, I, I was just going to say, I was going to say, and, and Joyce, you've taken Bill on roads that, he wouldn't have traveled either if it wasn't for you. So I think that's a, it's a symbiotic relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. So I do have Bill's poem here and um, he wrote this back in 1998 and it's still very relevant today and it's entitled understanding people. Okay. Understanding people, a set of standards by which to judge to their friends. They give a nudge when they see me come their way. They stop and walk the other way, or even worse, they stop and stare, as if I'm stupid and unaware. If only they could know that I care, how people view me, it's just not fair. I feel the very same as others do, they should try and walk in my shoe. Life's not easy when the body that you own was given to you broken down. They may be mean, they may be cruel, they may be bad, but most of all, they just don't understand. With some time and special guidance, we can have a great alliance. For an hour or for a day, we all need friends along the way. So when you see me come along, try not to focus on what is wrong. I am a person just like you, who needs and deserves a good friend too. Just walk beside me straight and tall, and be the friend that I can call, when I am lonely and afraid. Just remember what I've said. All you need is to understand Do not judge, just take my hand. I love that, Bill. And I'm it's it's a pleasure to to walk beside you and I'm sure that that Joyce and Aaron say the same thing and um and as do our listeners um of the podcast. And uh I'm excited to be on this journey with you to uh to make life better for everybody. So I'm super grateful for the three of you coming on the podcast today. Wonderful. Thanks, Eric. And and thanks for doing this. This is important. Yeah, my pleasure. Okay, we'll talk soon. Okay, bye-bye. You look like a news broadcaster. (laughs) (laughs) You do. You look good. 
A big, big thank you goes out to Bill, Arn, and Joyce for joining us on the podcast today. And it was really a delight to be able to share Bill's story and Joyce's story and Arn's story uh, as part of Team Bill. Uh, Really some important insights around where we start from and the beliefs that we start from um, when supporting an individual with a disability, starting from an assumption of that person is capable rather than starting from a assumption that the person's not capable because in the end, the outcome is can be drastically different and we can do a lot of harm if we don't start from the assumption that the person is capable rather than they are not capable. So uh, really deep insight there. And also, I hope you um, had the opportunity to reflect on how you perceive people with disabilities, much like I had the opportunity to reflect on how I perceived Bill and how that was preventing me from having a conversation with Bill due to my own fears. Um, so I hope that uh, maybe brought some thoughts into your mind around how you carry yourself and um, what may be preventing you from interacting with people uh, in your life. And it um, it just could be people that are different from you. So that could be different race, different age, whatever that might be. So again, thank you to Bill, Joyce, and Arn for joining this podcast today. And if housing is something that you're working on, uh, feel free to go to the website and get the free download on creating your home. So there's this great workbook that's going to help guide you through creating your vision and starting to implement your vision for what your home looks like. So go on over to the website. It's empoweringability.org. And... I think you'll get a lot of value out of that. I'd like to thank all of our listeners that have left us a review on iTunes. Your reviews help me understand what I'm doing well, what I can improve on on the podcast, what you want to hear. So it's great feedback that you're providing. So please continue to do so. Also, by leaving a five-star review, it helps other people find the podcast. So thanks so much for those reviews and keep them coming. Next week on the podcast, we have very knowledgeable and respected uh, lawyer out of Toronto practicing uh, law around uh, disability. And Brendan comes on the podcast to talk to us about some of the questions that he gets asked most frequently. And those two things are around, first one around estate planning is where we really focus most of our time. And the second one is around capacity and capability. So uh, we have a really great conversation around that. I think you're going to get a lot of learn a lot about it and it'll get you thinking about uh, planning uh, for you and your own family. So thanks for joining us today and hope to see you next week. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. Visit us at empoweringability.org for more podcasts and resources to help you and your loved ones impacted by disability build a full and meaningful life.